0: to everything a season lutheran reflections through the church year a weekly devotional series based on readings relevant to the current liturgical season you can watch this series live on our youtube page every wednesday at 7 p m eastern time thanks for tuning in and now on to this week's discussion
1: welcome we begin in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to To Everything a Season, Lutheran Reflections through the church here. My name is William Green, and as always, I'm joined by Pastor Brian King. We're here for an All Saints Day episode. Today is All Saints Day, if you're watching us live. And so uh, that will be the focus today, looking at one of the readings, uh, specifically 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3.
1: Do you want me to read that? Yes, please. Okay, I, I will do that.
0: short, simple reading for All Saints Day. Uh, so, some of our discussions in the past on this day have been pretty involved. I, I think we did one on praying for the dead. We might have done one on intercessory prayer in the past. And so, If you're looking for something more topical, certainly go and check out some of our older episodes for All although, Saints
1: Day. Although, why was this text chosen? Oh, well, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think... I my first thought is that we should be called children of God. Mm-hmm. And so we are. So all saints are God's children, right? right? And so this is this is talking about the fact that we are we are children of God and that right. makes us that makes us a saint. Anyone who has faith in Christ is a saint, right? So we can talk about the Old Testament saint, Saint David, Saint Isaiah, whomever we can talk about the New Testament saints, Saint Matthew, Saint John, or we can and we, but we also can regard ourselves as saints, because to be a saint means to that you're set apart, that you're declared holy uh, by the the merits of Christ. Right, and I think right. that, that's what this this is driving home to us that we are we're God's children.
0: Yep, yep, I think you're right, and that's uh, an important thing to point out because um, I was having this discussion with one of my Roman Catholic friends today they don't use the word saint in the broad sense quite as often as we do. They do in some instances, like when they talk about um, the communion of saints, referring to all believers, obviously. But oftentimes when you hear the word saint, either in Roman Catholicism or even like colloquially, people think of just these like
1: famous figures, uh, you know, like St. Jerome or- Rock stars.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're
1: the rock stars. Yeah. Even even the non-biblical people, St. Augustine. Saint Jerome, yes. uh, people like that, 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 that did incredible things, you know, a couple hundred years after Christ and things like that. Right. Um, but, but yeah, they're, they're the rock stars. We think about
0: that. Right. Right. And in Roman Catholicism, they, they kind of have two different days that separate the rock stars, so to speak, from the ordinary people. Yep. Cause right. They have all saints day on November 1st, and they also celebrate all souls day on November 2nd, which is kind of meant to be this like commemoration of faithful departed
1: that some Lutherans do observe as well. Yeah. And that, you know, it's, it's, it's really good for all Christian people to stop and give thanks to God for the redemptive work, which, from which others have benefited. Yes. So I, I, I'm thankful that when, you know, when I get to heaven, there's going to be a lot of people there that I've known and loved through my life. Right. It's it's good. It's a good thing. Yeah. Well, okay. So Christianity, it may be personal but it's not private. Right. And it's not individual, or I should say it's not individualistic. Right. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and that's something that maybe I see more down here than I did in Canada. Um, there's a pretty large Hispanic cultural influence down here in Florida. And so um, you get some of the like Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead celebrations down here, which yeah. is kind of a, a stylized celebration of All Saints Day in, in some way. They, they fall on the same day. It's more or less the same thing. Uh, but the Day of the Dead stuff is is more about um, like honoring your ancestors and stuff like that. But there is a sort of element of that too in in All Saints, kind of acknowledging the role that your parents and grandparents and other family members have played in your faith life today, right?
1: It just they, the 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 little quip is that Christianity is just one generation from being extinct. Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah. You, you've got to learn it from somebody. Somebody's got to drag your crying little self to the font or drag your sorry little self to Sunday school so you can learn about Jesus and, and get that faith, right? Or a co worker or something. It, it's a handoff thing, isn't it? Yep. It's a yep. hand. We keep handing the faith off to others, uh, to our children, to our friends, to our spouses, to whomever, right? Older, younger. It doesn't matter. It's our job to hand off this faith to other people,
0: right? Right. Yep, and that's one of the things we
1: think about today. It is, it is, and the fact that God has been doing this in in the lives of millions and millions of people for thousands and thousands of years.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, it's great. All right, let's get to our reading now. Um, so, just straight away in verse one, uh, it says, "See what kind of love the Father has given to us." Now, Pastor, you had found an interesting uh, distinction on the kind of love that uh, might be mentioned here in c.s lewis right
1: yeah it, you know of course you know c.s lewis has that very famous work the four loves and and we're not going to get into all those tonight because that would take too long mm-hmm. but we we could look at them later for sure but what's fascinating is that you know when when john writes this see what kind of love it, it's almost like hey look at this mm-hmm. like it's it's a behold this type of phrasing look at this kind of love the father has given to us now c.s lewis makes a distinction between um, gift love and and need love, okay? Mm, Okay. So God doesn't need anything. Right. So from looking at it from the God perspective, it's not a need love on his part. Right. It's a gift love. Um, One of the quotes, um, C.S. Lewis says, divine love is gift love. And this is just in the the, uh, prologue to the four loves. Divine love is gift love. The Father gives all He is and has to the Son. The Son gives Himself back to the Father and gives Himself to the world and for the world to the Father, and thus gives the world in Himself back to the Father too. Hmm. So this whole, you know, it's all God working uh, on our behalf. It's it's Jesus in the flesh. It's It's God giving us gift after gift after gift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, right. like a little baby... What does the baby bring to the equation? Um, Crying, hunger, thirst, dirty diapers. Okay. Yeah. The parents gift, 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 gift. They're always giving. Right. Now, from our perspective, it it is always a need love. And so you can say, oh, you Christian people, you need a crutch. You're selfish. Oh, yeah. Okay. I need... (laughs) I need the crutch. And and at some level, sure, I'm selfish, like everybody is. Do you eat and drink food to stay alive? Does that make you selfish or just smart? Right, right. So am am I selfish for wanting to feed on God's word or just smart? Um, Right. I'll go with the smart. So um, compared to selfishness, Lewis, again, a tyrannous and gluttonous demand for affection can be a horrible thing. But in ordinary life, no one calls a child selfish because it turns for comfort to its mother, nor an adult who turns to his fellow for company. Mm. We, we have to take care of ourselves at some level, So, but we have this great, great need. Um, yeah, great this need.
0: comports well with other things I've read from Lewis. I think it was Lewis who said that we all have a God-shaped hole in our heart.
1: Yeah, he he's probably quoting, I think Augustine sort of comes up with that too. The soul okay. is restless. The soul is restless till it finds its fine, rest in you. Right. And right. That whole notion of then the, the God shaped hole and, and all of that. that yeah, there we're we're empty. Right. Although one commentator put, but we're really cluttered.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. We're we're empty, but but we're cluttered with the wrong stuff, but we're empty in, in good spiritual stuff. Right. Right,
0: and so so when you talk about need love, you're talking about the kind of love that only receives in a way, like the infinite. Well, body.
1: yeah, the motivating factor is is uh, a need. Yeah, um, another Lewis quote here: Every Christian would agree that a man's spiritual health is exactly proportional to his love for God. But man's love for God, from the very nature of the case, must always be very largely and must often be entirely a need love. Mm-hmm. We. We need something from God. God's fine without us. Right. God can get along perfectly well without Will Green or Brian King. Right. God would God would go on. We wouldn't go on without God. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Our our very existence, right?
0: Yeah. No, that's true. And this is something that uh, it's important for us to understand. And um, like this comes off as kind of counterintuitive in some settings because, like, people, especially outside of our tradition, often see going to church is something that we're doing for God. Like we're giving him like the due honor and uh, glorification that he needs. But uh, you know, Lutherans have kind of recognized from the start that we, we can't give anything to God. There's nothing that we could give to him that would benefit him. And us going to church is just to receive the gifts that he has promised to us. Right. And so that's kind of the center of our divine service on Sunday is just receiving the gifts that he's, promised us
1: it is and then then we we try in our worship to give god glory of course and to praise him and to extol him but again it's the idea that and i've talked about this painting that i looked at at a museum 45 or so years ago i stopped and stared at it because it's so beautiful Mm -hmm. it it demanded my praise yeah and that's sort of like god Right, he, he demands our praise. It's not like he's saying, well, you doggone well better praise me or I'm going to send you to hell. That's not right. the point. Right, He demands our praise because, oh my goodness, you've never seen anything that beautiful in your life.
2: Right. That, yeah.
1: Yeah. He demands praise that way. Not like a law thing, but he just, the painting didn't call to me and say, you doggone well better come over here and and praise me. Right. It just demanded my praise by his beauty. And that's, that's God. That's that's a really helpful distinction
0: because it's not like God is like hungry for our praise,
1: right? He's not an is egomaniacal, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No,
0: that's that's really helpful. All right, let's continue to look at the rest of verse one. So it goes on to say that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is because it did not know Him. Let's talk about this uh, child of God motif. This is
1: something a lot of the church
0: fathers picked up on. As we were preparing yeah. for tonight,
1: it's 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 very important, you know, and and getting back to sort of that whole idea of of need and gift. Okay, mm-hmm. we need God, and God loves to give us these wonderful gifts. Right. And and if you think about this, reading started off with the look, you know, look what kind of love, right? Mm-hmm. So we can look at John three sixteen, and we've all heard it so many times. It's in, in some cases we don't even think about it when we hear it. Mm-hmm. but just break it down for a second. For God so loved the world, okay? The premise here is that God loved the world and that moved him to give his only son. Right. And then you have this conditional part of it that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, that that is the gift of faith which God gives us. And when we have that, then we have eternal life. Right. But the point here being, and the reason I bring this verse in again is that God loves us and that's what motivated him to send his son. Mm-hmm. Now, that, of course, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Right. It's basically these poor these poor Bible writers trying to write the same message in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. It, uh, it's like trying to preach on the same topic, but make it fresh and new. Um, so, you know, you have this wonderful verse from John 3.16. You have this wonderful verse from First John. It's all about God's love moves him to send his son, and that, of course, enables us then to be called children of God. Right. That's right. the important thing. That's where your salvation is in, namely, the fact that God has adopted you into his family. Right.
0: Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's let's talk about that. So, Bede kind of turned this around. Um, so, Bede says, it would be no small thing if we were able to love God in a way that a servant loves his master, or a worker his employer but loving God as father is much greater still now that that's interesting because he kind of looks at it from our perspective that we get to love God not only as an employer or master but as a father and he you know focuses on that side of the relationship that and that's interesting because that's not something that we think about so much i think right um and i guess we can talk about what what that looks like so we know what he means we know what it would look like to love God as a master and employer because this is what some of the Pharisees were doing, right? Oh
1: yeah. And I, and I think a lot of, sadly, a lot of Christian people today sort of love him that way too. He's, they make a lot about his majesty, his glory, um, things like that. Yes. Which are, they're important. Yes.
0: But yeah, I it, want,
1: I want the tender heart.
0: Right. Right. Well there, there's that element, but there's also like the non-transactional element because a, a lot of people see our relationship with god is something kind of transactional in the sense that he tells us what what we are supposed to do and we do what we're supposed to do and that is what gets us into heaven is this like yeah. sort
1: of obedience right the deal let's make a deal
0: yeah exactly yeah right right and so it's easy I, to st- let
1: me let me interrupt you just one second don't lose that thought but sure it's interesting you know uh elizabeth Kubler ross sort of makes that those five stages of grief and all that
0: mm-hmm. one of
1: them is the bargaining yeah which is quite fascinating. Yeah. You know, you, you sort of make bargains. And I think in, in some ways it's by nature we want to make a bargain with God. I'll do this for you, God, if you do that. Right. How many times have we said that? God, if you would just do this, then I yeah. Right, right. Well I'll even become like, a, I'll become a monk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Speaking of our brother Martin. Our right? brother Martin. Yeah. Uh, but, but right. Um, but even like in evangelicalism, you see a sort of transaction there where all you have to do is like make this decision to follow Jesus. And that's still like kind of a transaction, right? Well, Uh, it is. And, and,
1: And then conversion ends up being a good work, which you do. Yeah,
0: exactly. Right. Right. And so, you know, seeing God as a father who gives this gift for free without any of our own merit, that does put a different flavor on things
1: right it does and i think the the picture of the parents bringing home the baby from the hospital that you know the baby just doesn't really do anything there Mm -hmm. right spiritually we're dead yeah and actually worse than that we're at enmity with god we're his enemy right and and he has to gently well the saying goes he makes willing from unwilling people
0: yes yeah yeah that's good right all right, let's move on to verse two. Beloved, we are God's
1: children now. Oh, can we can we just take a brief pause at that second part of verse one? Sure. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird. And, and I and I glossed over that when I was reading it and prepping. I didn't really give that much thought. But I think it's good to talk about the fact that the world is not going to look at us in a positive light because it doesn't know God. Yeah. So I don't care how good we try to be or how much good we do in the world. There's a point where the non-believer isn't going to know us, right? Because they don't know God, right? And those who do know God, and that, and and that's another maybe reason why this was chosen for All Saints, is that those in the faith do know us. Mm-hmm. We're on the same side. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, that, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Prior it's to just it, now it's
1: yet. it's just. We as Christian people, at some level, in some way, we're, we don't fit into the world mm-hmm. because the world doesn't know God. When people come to know God, then the Christian people, oh, I get it. Right. And then they understand us and know us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess that is one part of this kind of communion of saints is that after you're initiated into the mystery, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you see it from the inside, and it gives you a new perspective. And uh, a sort of shared perspective with all the other Christians who share the same confession that we have,
1: and hence all saints, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. So
1: now we now please uh, jump to verse two.
0: So verse two, beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. Okay, this is. Let's just unpack what
1: this means first. Yeah, a go ahead.
0: Please. So, um,
1: I, <laughs> no, I meant you. Please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go I ahead. There's that. a there's a lot there.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, okay, the first part. We know what this means, beloved. We are God's children now. They're, like we're, we're justified here in time. We're adopted into His family right now. It's not something
1: we're waiting for in the afterlife. The this mo- is a benefit moment, we get immediately. The moment I first believed. Right. Right, that it is now. You have that. You have eternal life now. Yes, and that you know. Oh, wait till eternal life. No, no, you have it now. That starts the moment you come to faith. The moment that God regenerates your spirit, your spirit, Mm -hmm. and you have that eternity. Right, and that's and I think we have to keep that in mind, beloved. We are God's children now. Okay, so where is children now? And what we will be has not yet appeared. Okay, so that's the now, but not yet. Right. Okay. So what, what is that
0: part referring to? What we will be has not yet appeared. What does that mean?
1: Yeah. This, the, the, in our in our glorified state, after we die, we we will be different. I but see. We know that, but, and, and here it kind of clues it into Christ's second coming. But we know right. that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So Jesus will come back. He'll take his believers to heaven with him forever. We get changed and we get to see Jesus, you know, sort of face-to-face thing, right?
0: Right, right. Okay, so this is referring to like our ultimate glorification. Yeah. Uh then. Okay. Yep. Great.
1: And and we don't know we don't know you know Paul says now we see through a mirror dimly but then face to face, right? Yeah, right. Right. And that's that whole notion that we don't exactly know what heaven is going to be like. Right. You know, right. Heaven, yeah, it's a little children's song heaven is a wonderful place, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Y- yeah. And now as we were looking at the church fathers on this, this was interesting. Uh, Some of them were more inclined to take this in a moral way saying that we're not like perfectly sanctified now. And And, yep. And that's true. That's true. And uh, others like Augustine tended to focus on a more like metaphysical reading, like uh, talking about the attributes that we lack that would make us more like Christ. So like, uh, you know, never dying, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, and that,
1: and that will happen. Right. And right. when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. We'll see him face to face. We'll see him in our re regenerated state our renewed state. Right. And yeah, it's, it, you know, it's going to, it's going to get better. I think is what, what John's trying to impress upon us here.
0: Yes. Yes. Now. Um, yeah, I think we understand like the, maybe the metaphysical aspect a little bit more because, uh, we, we have some idea of what having a glorified body will entail. Now, a part that tripped up the church fathers seem to be, they seem to almost read this in like a law sense. And that, that's a common vice we see with a lot of the church fathers is that they're inclined to read things more through a lens of of law than gospel, even, even stuff like this. So when they're talking more about the moral side of being like God, um, they tend to bring in a little bit of law here. So this is what Didymus has to say, Didymus the blind. He says, he tells them that they are now worthy to be loved as children of God, even in this world. And the adoption of sons is a reality here and now, right? Good. That's what we've said so far. And he goes on to say, for since we now know in part and have the first fruits of the spirit, we already have something of the adoption of sons and can see what the fullness of it will be like when it arrives. Now, this sounds a little bit more like law. He's bringing in first fruits of the spirit, kind of talking about like our moral conformity with God in this way.
1: Yeah, and I think the real problem is when he says, we already have something of the adoption of sons. Yeah. And here's what I would say. We have the full adoption as sons. Right. How that changes us We haven't yet seen. Right. But that's different. Yes. I'm not partially adopted. I'm just not totally sanctified. Right. And I can't say that because I'm not totally sanctified that I'm not totally adopted. Right. Yes. And that's that's where I think. Yeah.
0: That's a good metaphor because this is something we can understand. Like if a child is adopted in their family, it might take a while for that child to become accustomed to the way the family does things. And kind of just yeah. become a part of that family's routine. But that doesn't alter like the legal fact of the full adoption that happened at one specific
1: moment in time. Right. Uh, that's, and that adoption is a theme that keeps coming back to me all the time. We are privileged to be adopted into God's family. But you draw that out really well, Will, by stating that, yeah, you can adopt a child, but it, and, and they're fully adopted, but it, maybe they don't fit in that well yet, mm-hmm. but you hope they will. Right. And maybe right. that's us, right?
0: Yeah. We're and, adopted
1: and into God's family. We don't maybe don't fit in that well yet, but hopefully we will.
0: Right, exactly. And the fitting in isn't a condition of being adopted. Right. No. And that's that's one way that our, that allegory is um, perhaps a uh, strong. It is um, no, it's good.
1: I like it. I like it.
0: So mm-hmm. uh, Michelle asked, In our yeah. renewed self, will we be sinless? Now this is kind of getting at one of the tensions here. Um because there is a sense in which we're renewed immediately, right? At a re- we, we talk about baptismal regeneration, yep. uh, regeneration that happens at baptism yep. or when you first come to faith. Yep. And so there's a sort of renewal there, uh, but that's obviously not sinless because we go well, on sinning. Speak for yourself <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, yeah. and for the rest of us too. Right, yeah. right. But no, and, and if you mean in our renewed self, uh, as in eternity, then yes, we'll be sinless, yes, right that heaven heaven will be a place where there's no more sin, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more disease, no more we're purified, we're purified,
0: yes, right, and that's that's the part of the verse that's talking about what we will be has not yet appeared exactly. that's like the al- the ultimate renewal, right yeah. yeah so uh yes, so right, At the ultimate renewal, we will be sinless in our glorified bodies we we won't have this desire or inclination uh to sin.
1: Oh man speaking about analogies and allegories and stuff I gotta get the furnace looked at because it's winter time. So guys is that a two stage furnace? Uh, Probably. But I have to admit that thought just popped in my head. (laughs) It's kind of two stage, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We come to faith, we're God's children, we're adopted, we're declared righteous in God's eyes, all that stuff. Stage one. Yes. And and stage one will heat the house, but then stage two heats it more. Is that how a two-stage <laughs> furnace works? All
0: right. This is actually a good segue into verse three, because this is, I think, where the commentators had the most trouble with this section. Verse three says, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Now, almost all of the church fathers and even some of our Lutheran commentaries that we looked at took this more in a law sense in the sense that um, kind of part of the deal of being adopted as children of God is this continual purification, this um, like progress, let's call it like progressive sanctification.
1: Yeah. Right? Which, I mean, you know, we talk about that. Yeah. And that's, and that's fine. Yeah. Right. But they kind of just to answer Michelle's question. Yes. In heaven, we will be sinless. Right. Right. That's the yes. spot, just yes. to make sure that's clear. Um, they just kind of, they just kind of, the way they phrased it, they were sort of putting the cart before the horse. Okay. That if you pu- continue to purify yourself, then then you'll have hope. Right. But, but, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen, we read in Hebrews. So I'm thinking, no, my purifying myself doesn't, that, that doesn't work. I purify myself as I have faith and hope in Christ. Right. Okay. Your, your purification comes from Christ.
0: Okay. So, are you taking this to be a more forensic um, purification, or like forensic righteousness, or more of like an intrinsic?
1: Yeah. No. I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm taking more of that as I hope more in Christ. Then yes, I. my actions then of course will be better Mm -hmm. that's a natural outgrowth but i think here the emphasis is on when you continue to hope in him then this this purification continues um and 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 as we're tight you know so tightly linked to christ we have his purity ascribed to our account
0: right i i just look
1: at it more as forensic rather than actual
0: Right. Oh, yeah, I I can see that. Um, Lenski was saying that, you know, to justify his view that this was more about um, progressive sanctification, he points out that it's not saying that everyone who thus hopes in him was purified, past tense. This uses the present tense here, um, meaning that it's ongoing, right? It's not something that was completed in the past. And so his whole point was: um, it seems that if this was somehow linked with our justification and not progressive sanctification, that that should be a, a past tense, verified. Yeah,
1: and, and that's a good—that's a good line of argumentation for sure. But I—I I guess I was reading it a bit more simply. Everyone who thus hopes in Him, because hope—the hope there is a um, present tense too, right? Yes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. As you're hoping in him, then you're purifying yourself type of thing. Right. So, so it can be, you know, in my mind, participial or present. You're hoping in him, then you're purifying yourself. They, they, they kind of go hand in glove. Right.
0: And,
1: yeah. and, I, and I can't, and I have a very hard time theologically, spiritually, intellectually, separating hope from faith.
0: Right. Well, yeah, I mean, they're almost inseparable.
1: They, they are. Um, faith gives us hope.
0: Yeah, yeah. So if
1: we continue and- to have faith in him, so would we say, if we continue to have faith in him, do we, do we purify ourselves as he is pure? Well, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but then I, if we're linking it to faith and purification, I don't think we're, we necessarily look at that as being a good work.
0: Well, I mean, that's kind of the other difficult thing, is that the justification and good works are linked so closely in scripture as well, oh, right? Yeah,
1: I, <laughs> I brought up that hymn. Should I?
0: Yeah, let, let's bring up the hymn and I'll also just mention the passage in James that says we see that we're justified through our works, not by faith alone, right? There's this this element of uh works providing the proof of justification.
1: Let right? me read the hymn. Okay. Because, because I li- I like what James says and you, really you know, you you show me your faith. I'll show you my faith by what I do. Right. Um, faith without right. works is dead. But but our works don't save us. So uh, the hymns, Paul Sprattus, um salvation unto us has come. A very old hymn from um, the what, 1500s. Yeah. He, he was born in 1484 and died in 1551. So pretty much a bang on contemporary of of Luther. Um, so. Verse 9 of his hymn, Faith clings to Jesus' cross alone and rests in him unceasing. And by its fruits, true faith is known with love and hope increasing. For faith alone can justify. Works serve our neighbor and supply the proof that faith is living. Perfect. So, yeah, what we do shows the world that we have faith. Now, you have to ask yourself the question, do my good works show god that i have faith and then we're going to have to answer that as saying well, i think god knows <laughs> right. right yeah that's right so it's right. An interesting and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure and if you link that hope with faith well then that just makes sense yes yeah and then all the good works flow out of that faith and hope that they flow out of it it's that the regenerate you know in philippians paul writes Continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do according to His good pleasure. Right, and um, that's just God working in, in 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 His regenerated children. Yes. Now, Michelle has another question or a comment, and I'm just going to put that up. Sure. I look at purification as a means for God to use us in this time to spread the good news. Most yeah. definitely, and that 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 is the most important work that we christian people can do mm-hmm. is to share the faith right i mean I th- yes we we need to do other things but that, this that's the ultimate one right and that ties in
0: perfectly with the verse that or the, of the hymn that you just read it yes. helps our neighbor and supplies the, the, proof. the proof that faith is living
1: right yeah. Yeah. yeah it's perfect It's perfect good i think we've run out the clock though will yeah yeah i know this one by quick tonight okay it did <laughs> It did. Tempest. All right. And you have a prayer for us this evening? I do. I'll read the prayer for All Saints Day. Okay. Thank you.
0: O almighty God, by whom we are graciously knit together as one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of Jesus Christ, our Lord, grant us so to follow your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living that we may come to those unspeakable joys, which you have prepared for those who unfeignedly love you, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.